0: Indeed, Let's continue to listen to those wonderful words of life by turning to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 13. We'll be looking at verses 1 through 9 and then jump to verses 18 to 23. You'll find it on page 690 if you're using a copy of the Scriptures in front of you and only certain copies. I found out that when we added some rows and bought some new Bibles, our numbers are not the same in our new Bibles that we got. Matthew is the first book in the New Testament if that will help you find the, blank, plate, the blank, uh, blank white sheet and then turn to your right. Just a few more sheets of paper. We started a study a few weeks ago looking at various uh, parables, the gospel parables from Matthew. We started by looking at uh, this wonderful decree that we are the salt of the earth. What does it mean to live out the kingdom, to live Christianly? It means that we are the salt of the earth. And then last week, that that shrinking and and that stretching of the sewing of the patch of garment and the the bursting of the wineskins, that we are to be filled with joy as those now to be salt and light. It is the gospel alive and well within us that causes us to live a joyous life, to love Him and enjoy Him forever, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. So today we continue that, this look of being the salt of the earth. The joy of the Lord is our strength. And now today, friends, giving this understanding of how He has planted a seed within us and that seed must bear fruit as we ask ourselves the question of our own life. Is the fruit of the gospel evident in the life that we live together. Out of love and affection for God's holy, infallible, and inerrant word then. Let's give our attention to the reading and the preaching of it. Matthew chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of God. That same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying... a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. Then jump to verse 18. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word at once and he receives it with joy. But since it has no root, it lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. But the one who received the seed that fell on the thorns is the man who hears the word. But the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what is sown. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. What do we know about God's word? The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands our Father. We believe that. We believe that you now speak to us by the power of your Spirit in and through your holy, infallible, and inerrant word. And so we would pray then that you would open our eyes to behold wonderful things from this portion of it. You would open our hearts to receive your spirit, the very one who enables us to live it out, to bear fruit in our life. Do this work, please, for your own glory, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please, friends, be seated. In my premarital counseling and sometimes uh, marriage counseling, I spend one particular part of a session going through what I call HDR. HDR not FDR, but HDR, and that stands for Hear, Define, and Respond. Usually comes about the, law, the, the connection of talking about the importance of communication in our relationships and, and conflict resolution, fighting fairly, and so forth. And so I'll spend some time talking about HDR and asking the couple to apply HDR in their life the following week. And it's something like this the H means you have to hear. By hearing, that means you've got to close your lips, your yapper. You can't be yapping along when your spouse is trying to talk as well. So you need to hear. Be slow to speak and quick to listen, as James says. So do the the hearing part. You actually sit and you look them in the eye and you hear what it is that they say. And then when your spouse is done or your future spouse is done, uh, then you define for them what it is that you hear. For most men, it looks something like this. Baby, I heard you say, do A, B, and C, and then she says, no, honey, I said do X, Y, and Z. And then you define for them, okay, now, if hearing you clearly, then you're saying X, Y, and Z, and then she says, yes, that is correct. And then you move to your response. All right, I have heard you. I have defined that we're on the same page. Now let me respond to what it is that we have been listening to to show you that I've understood that will aid us in living, communicating together today and the rest of our lives together. HDR. Put it into practice, friends. It works. It really does work. And I think that's exactly what Jesus is actually saying here in this particular parable Because we are so prone, my friends, to only do the H part and not the D and the R part. And and most of the time during the H part, we're sitting there thinking about what it is that we want to say in response. We're not actually hearing. We're not listening to a word our spouse is saying many times because we're already thinking about what it is that I want to say. If they ever slow down to take a breath, then I can jump in like that. I can cut them off. We We can fix this. We can fix this real quick if you just listen to what I have to say. And don't we do that with God's word many times, friends? Jesus is saying here, hearing God's word and not understanding it or not believing it or not actually putting it into practice is not hearing His Word at all. If we simply say that we're hearing His Word but that Word is not actually penetrating our hearts and then by the power of the Spirit being seen in the very lives that we live in obedience to His command, the third use of the law, the very law that we read this morning The third use of the law that reveals God's character, his attributes, what he likes, what he requires of us today ought to be seen in the lives that we live. As those who love the gospel of grace, we never say, I'm saved by grace, there's no work of the law in my life today. We say, I love God's grace who brought this dead back to life again and now empowers me by the gospel to live the life that he's commanded me to live. HDR. We hear the word and he defines that for us by the power of his spirit and we respond then by living a gospel life in the world in which we live today. Matthew chapter 13 actually gives us seven parables in this one chapter. And all seven of these parables are what are referred to as kingdom living parables. Our parable today, the sower of the seed, is the first of the seven that come in this particular chapter in Matthew's Gospel. The kingdom living parables, my friends, is simply this. Jesus says, I have come. The kingdom of the Lord Almighty has come. And that kingdom has come in me. And now if you hear what it is that I say to you, if you will listen to the words, the wonderful words of life that I am giving you today, and the spirit that now is going to boil up within you like streams of living water, then you will actually live that word. And the living of the word is actually going to define the fact that you have heard it, you understand it, you believe it, and now you are living it, you are doing it. Are we simply hearers of God's word? We hear it. Or is that word actually penetrating our hearts and our minds? And it is changing the very lives that we live from within streams of living water that are boiling up within us. Like most of Jesus' parables, as I told you last week and the week before, we usually have these two points. A, A point where he gives us some context or he gives us the actual words of the parable. And then he follows that up with... ...the people of the parable, those that heard his words and now are responding in some way. And this parable is no different. The first few verses is the actual parable itself that Jesus is giving. And then the last verses that we read, 18 and following, give us four different responses... ...lives that are lived uh, because of this word. So let's look at it then... In verse chapter 3, we read, He told many things in parables, saying... And then in verse 10, the disciples come and ask Him, Why do you speak to the people in parables? This is the first place in Matthew's gospel, in chapter 13, the first place, place in Matthew's gospel where we actually read the word parable. Jesus has been speaking in stories already. We've looked at two of those, have we not? We looked at the salt of the earth, and we looked at the shrinking and the stretching with the sewing on of the the patch and the filling of the wineskin. He's already been speaking in stories, but now Matthew actually changes the word to say he came speaking in parables. And the disciples say, why do you speak to the people in parables? For this reason. Verse 1 tells us that. The same day Jesus went out of the house, he sat by the lake, and look what happened. A large crowd gathered around him, so large that he had to get into a boat and push himself offshore so that he could see the multitudes that were there in front of him. Here's the, here's the purpose of Jesus now speaking in parables. Because the people were following, they were coming, they were listening to his words... But they were not practicing those words. They weren't living it out. They wanted to see miraculous signs. They wanted to see wonders. They wanted to see him healing people and doing all kinds of things that they wanted. And so they came. They came, but all they did was listen to his word instead of understanding the word, believing the word, and then living that word out. They came, friends, wanting a king their way. They wanted a king that would come in, ride in in majesty and glory, swinging a big old sword, taking care of the opposition, showing his his power and his authority. And Jesus comes and says, no, it isn't going to work that way. It's going to come like a little bitty seed planted in soil that will produce fruit My kingdom will be something that starts very, very small, but over time becomes something very, very large. And he uses a parable with the illustration of farming. He he was the... I don't know why it surprises me that he was the master at preaching because he's God. He's the master at preaching because he he looks at the context of his listeners and he says, okay, I'm going to tell a story, I'm going to tell a parable, and I'm going to use one that you can connect to. Only the wealthy, in that particular context of that day, only the very, very wealthy would have been unaffected by a poor crop. They had money. There was no Market Street or Sprouts or Kroger. They had to grow their own food, raise their own food. Every single one of them would have understood this particular planting of the seeds. And the only one that would have been unaffected by a poor crop would have been the ones who had all kinds of money, which was a very small number. So Jesus comes right to where they are. He grabs hold of them, giving them this beautiful story. And I think in a very real way is going all the way back to Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. You know the word. I like to say it. Proto-Uengelion. Proto, first. Uengelion, Greek word for gospel. The first gospel. One is coming who will crush the head of Satan. That was the promise that God gave to Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He planted that seed, the small seed, and now Jesus is coming to say, here's the power right here. The power is in me. The power is in the kingdom that I have been sent to establish on earth. And it comes not your way, but it comes my way in a very small seed that slowly develops and bears much fruit. Verse 10 tells us, The disciples came to him and asked, Why do you speak in the parables? And then when we get to verse 18, listen to what the parable says. To whom is Jesus speaking? Jesus is not speaking to the large crowd. If you read the verses that we omitted in the middle, you'll clearly understand there that Jesus calls his disciples to himself. And he says, look at the crowd. Look at them. All 12 of you, look at them. They need these wonderful words of life. Like the the prophets of the old who were the mouthpiece of Yahweh who gave those wonderful words of life, I have chosen you 12 and now you are going to be sent out here in just a couple of chapters. I'm going to send you out two by two and I'm going to send you out for the sole purpose of proclaiming, preaching this good news. You're going to take the seed, the word of God, and you're going to plant it in the hearts of Of those that will hear your word as you faithfully proclaim that word that the kingdom of God has come and that kingdom is now it's not a kingdom that is coming in the future but it is a kingdom that has come now friends listen please the kingdom will not finally come when we get the right person in the White House The kingdom of God will not finally come when we pray hard and long for the peace of Israel. The kingdom of God has already come in the Lord Jesus Christ the one who has crushed the head of Satan, who gives us his wonderful words of life, the gospel, the gospel that he came and took our sin in his body, and he died for that sin, that he might give us his righteousness, that we might now have these wonderful words of life dwelling within us, giving us a new heart that boil up within us like streams of living water, that we would actually live the life that he commands us, calls us to live. Do you understand then why the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, her number one call is faithfulness to the proclamation, the preaching of the holy, infallible, and inerrant word of God. You do not need, nor am I going to give you story after story, and joke after joke, and all of these little gimmicks to draw the, the hundreds and the hundreds who would simply just hear the word and never understand and believe. That's not what the church of Jesus Christ is called to do. Jesus gives them and now us these words. I'm the sower, Jesus says. I'm the sower and I've come and I've planted these seeds, scattering this seed, and this seed is now taking root and developing within you. Listen, I'm going to read just a few passages Uh, throughout all of Scripture. They they give the the power of the, the Word, the seed of God that's planted in us. From Psalm 19, we just said it together. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Isaiah 55, 10 "...as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish, so it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So my word goes out of my mouth, and it will not return empty, but it will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I have sent it." Jeremiah 31, 33. "...this is the covenant I will make with the house of Israel after that time, declares the Lord." I will put my law in their minds, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God, and they will be my people. James chapter 1, verse 21. Therefore, get rid of all moral flesh and the evil that is so prevalent, and humbly accept the word of God that is planted in you, which will save you. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. For you have been born again, not of a perishable seed, but imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass and all their glory like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever, and this is the word that has been preached to you. Lastly, Colossians chapter 1, verse 5. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth is the gospel and it has come to you. Over all the world this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all of his truth. Do you hear it, friends? That's just a selective few verses of what God promises planting this seed his word in our heart that he then in turn waters nourishes that that grows that now is seen outwardly in the very life we live because we're not simply hearers of the word but we are hearers and understanders we're believers we're doers of the word the verses that come in between verses 10 through 17 Interesting passage there. I'll leave it for your homework this week. But interesting passage when the disciples come and say, why are you speaking in parables? Jesus quotes the prophecy from Isaiah chapter 6 where he says, they're going to be seeing, but they're not really going to see. They're going to be hearing, but they're really not going to hear. That's why he then ends all of the future parables that we're about to read and we'll read next week and the week after that. He who has ears to hear... Let him hear. Because Jesus is saying this. He is completely sovereign over all things. He sits on the throne today. The kingdom of God has already come in the person of Jesus Christ. And the kingdom exists today as he is seated at the right hand of God the Father Almighty, sovereignly ruling over all that he has created. It happened Happens today, it's happening right now. And so Jesus is saying as you go out and you scatter seed, the seed that's been scattered in you and planted in you, you can expect that that seed is going to fall on people who think they see but they're not seeing or think they hear and they're not hearing. What is he saying? Even over salvation, Jesus Christ is sovereign. A dead man cannot make himself alive again. You were dead in your sins and transgressions. But God, who is rich in mercy, made you alive in Christ Jesus. He has planted the seed, giving you ears to hear, a heart to believe, minds to grasp, arms to wrap around it. And he says, now, get out into the world and live it. Preach this powerful gospel, this small seed that is planted within us that boils up like streams of living water. I've said this the last two weeks. This isn't rocket science, is it? I have come to do for you what you could never do for yourself, Jesus says. I've come to make you more like me, Jesus says. I've come to die for you so that you can live and you can be more transformed and conformed more to my life to to be like me. And this is the, the, the core of his parable. He's planted this seed planted this seed of hope and faith within us. And now, friends, it's to be seen, understood, believed, and lived. So then Jesus moves on now to explain it. But I want to show you something first before we move to the last point here, and that's this. Look at, back at the verse, first few uh, verses that we read. Verse 4, verse 5, verse 7, and verse 8. Look at the word that's repeated. Some seed fell on the path. Then verse 5, some seed fell on rocky places. Verse 7, other seeds fell among the thorns. And then verse 8, still other seed fell on the good soil. Now look at the, the explanation of the parable. Beginning in verse 18 and following, we read in verse 20 and 22 and in 23, not the word fell, but now the word received. The one who received the seed that fell Verse 22, the one who received the seed that fell. And verse 23, the one who received the seed that fell. Jesus is now saying, I want to to change directions because I'm the sower who has scattered the seed. But now I want you to clearly understand as you pray Psalm 139, you pray David's prayer, search me and try me, O Lord, and see if there's anything in me. See if you have actually received this seed that Jesus has said he has now scattered. This is a call for us now to look at these four responses and ask, which one are we? The first one, the seed falls on a hard heart or an unresponsive heart. Verse 19, when anyone hears the message of the kingdom, doesn't understand it, the evil one comes, snatches it away, what's sown in his heart, this is the seed that has fallen along the path. Path, don't miss that word. Think about it. When I'm out in a field and I'm, I'm hunting, bird hunting or something like that, and you see these paths, these trails that move, it's almost like when you look up in the sky and you see the, 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 the jet wash from the, the vectors of the, of the jets in the sky that look like these straight paths in the sky. So you see them on the ground. Why? Because it's something that's trampled over and over and over and over and over again so that it's not soft, it's hard as concrete. It'd be like fertilizing the yard, and you have some fertilizer that scatters right out on the sidewalk. You you can expect you're not going to grow grass on your sidewalk, right? Because it's hard. But could Jesus be saying this to us today, friends? The very ones who hear the word over and over and over and over again are the ones who simply hear it and don't believe it. Because it's the path. We hear it over and over and over and over again. And so we say, yeah, I know that story. But we don't let that story penetrate our hearts. We don't let that seed fall into good soil and take root. We've heard this before. You don't need to say that anymore, Pastor. I've already heard that. Let's move on. There's nothing greater than the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. These people, the hard hearts or the unresponsive hearts, are like the people of Romans chapter 1. They knew God. They knew there was a God. They believed in God. But they they neither worshipped him nor bowed down to him. And so he gave them over to their sinfulness and they spiraled down, like James says, all the way to death. Could that be you, friend? Is that you today? You've heard this gospel over and over and over again to the point that it's simply not penetrating your heart. It's not good news. It's not new news. It's something that you've heard, but you never really have dealt with. The second response, then, comes to the shallow heart. Verse 20, the one who received the seed that fell on rocky places is the man who hears the word, and he he receives it. He responds with great joy, but it has no root. And as soon as life brings him trouble or persecution, this shallow heart, or, or this impulsive heart, is not a strong, good soil heart. They're, they're drawn to the latest and the greatest. They're drawn to anything that is new, anything that is, it is shiny, anything that is uh, glittery. They're drawn to... This person may even make... Friends, listen. This person may even make a profession of faith because they're drawn into the into the kingdom of God uh, into the family of God into the church and they like what they see they like the new they like the exciting but as soon as there's a problem that they're faced with suddenly suddenly this this thing called the gospel really does reveal itself to be a crutch as people say oh religion is just a crutch for you it is for people like this Because it's not penetrating their heart. It's not who they really are. It is a fad or something to simply try to get more stuff, to have more enjoyment, more hedonistic enjoyment out of life. This is the carnal Christian. Friends, make no mistake, There there are individuals, good people out there, THAT BELIEVE, LITERALLY BELIEVE, IN WHAT'S CALLED A CARNAL CHRISTIAN. AND HERE IS THEIR PROOF TEXT. AND A CARNAL CHRISTIAN IS SIMPLY THIS. OH, THEY WALKED THE AISLE IN SOME CHURCH 20 OR 30 YEARS AGO. YOU KNOW, AND THEN THEY WENT WAYWARD. Uh, they, went, THEY WENT WAYWARD. AND they, THEY DIED JUST YESTERDAY. BUT YOU KNOW WHAT? Thank, THANK GOD THEY WALKED THE AISLE, YOU KNOW, 20 YEARS AGO. SO now they're, NOW THEY'RE IN HEAVEN. The Bible knows nothing of that. Matter of fact, that's exactly what Jesus is saying is not true in this particular parable. There is no fruit. There's no bearing of fruit in this particular life. They're in the category of the three that hear but do not understand and do not believe. This is the individual that gets to the point where they say, you know, I deserve something. I deserve to be happy. God wants me to be happy. I know that the Bible says this, but but God God is telling me, He's telling me that it's okay because He wants me to be happy. And they're just in, in pursuit of hedonistic pleasure instead of allowing the seed to be planted into the heart. The third... The third response is a strangled heart or a a preoccupied heart. Verse 22, the one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth, choke it, choke it. Great word for this reason. This is what Jesus is saying. The love of money, you can't serve two masters, remember? He said that in the Sermon on the Mount. The love of money is that slow deceitfulness to the point of death. If you choke someone to death, it's not an instantaneous death. It is the getting close enough, It's the getting the hands in the right position and it is slowly pressing to take the life. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. You are trying to live in the world. The world that you are of, but not the world that you're supposed to be living in. You're in the world, but not of the world, Jesus is saying. But you're trying to put your feet in both of those. And find joy in both of those such that you're like separating the secular and the sacred. And there is no separation. When life is redeemed, all of life is redeemed. When Jesus gives us the work of the Spirit, there is no need for a second blessing of the Spirit. Because you get it all the first time. You got it all the first time. And so he is saying, don't don't find the attractions of the world that are around you so intriguing that you slowly are moving out of this and into that because it will slowly take the life right out of you and reveal that that seed never was planted in good soil. And then lastly, in verse 23, the open heart, or what I like to call the well-prepared heart, But the one who received the word that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. Now notice what we find here. Not one time have we heard the two words hear and understand together with the other three seeds. Look at verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom. uh, And then in verse 20. He who hears the word. And then again in verse 22, the man who hears the word, but the worries of life. Only now in verse 23, the man who hears and understands. He hears it, he believes it, he has embraced it, he now is living it out. Here's the promise that the Savior has done for you the good soil is well prepared soil because we were dead in our sin and transgression. AND BY DIVINE ELECTION BEFORE THE FOUNDATION OF THE WORLD, GOD DECREED WHO WOULD BE HIS PEOPLE and his people as he has scattered his seeds through the preaching of his word now has taken root in our heart and now what paul says in 1 corinthians chapter 2 is true he causes the scales to fall from our eyes once we, what once was foolishness to us is now our conversion calling regeneration faith and repentance calling before the foundation of the world, regeneration, we are born again, the new life that he gives to us whereby he gives us the gift to believe, faith, and the gift of turning from our sin and hating that sin and living the life that he has commanded us to live. There's the promise. There's the gospel that he is preaching wonderful words of life to us. And he's working that gospel in our hearts and minds for this purpose, that it might be seen in our lives. Not just hearers, but hearers and doers, understanders, believers of his word. How do we know which one we are? We work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Friends, listen, we know that we are in the good soil when we know that we're not in number one, number two, or number three. If I'm not in number one, number two, or number three, I am in number four. And I am seeing the work of grace in my heart, in my life, as God has given me life and now given me the Holy Spirit. I am, I'm, I'm no longer hearing it over and over and over and over and over again in my hard-heartedness and not doing anything with it. And no longer am I just shallow and I'm embracing something and then passing away. And no longer am I just letting the world strangle me out of this hope that's mine in Jesus Christ. But that seed has taken root deep in my life. And now as he ends the parable and ends the explanation of the parable, it produces a crop of a hundred, sixty, and thirty. You will know them by their fruit, Jesus said. But notice what he says. It's not the amount of fruit that saves us. It is the presence of fruit that is the direct result of the work of the gospel given to us and it will produce 100 for some and 30 for some and and 60 for some. You cannot earn favor with God by doing more good works. The best work has already been done for you, and that is that he has given you the seed of life, the gospel, and he has planted it in your heart and mind. And if it has taken root, it is now bearing fruit in your life. It ought to be seen. Hear and do both. It's not rocket science. It's called kingdom living. Living the gospel that has been given to us, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Our good friend Dora Smith was here last week. Did you all see her sitting over here? She's not here today. She's coming once a month. She'll be coming out of her uh, with the bus that will bring her once a month on death's door just a couple of months ago. And here she was celebrating in worship with us. I visit her from time to time and we have, both have Windows 10. I got a new laptop. Oh gosh, it's been some time ago way too long for me not to know how to use Windows 10 <laughs> but I got Windows 10 on my laptop and I, I do what I always do I figure out what I want to do and what I do and then that's that's all I do and I've got this computer that will probably you know run the spaceship to Mars or something like that but I don't know how to get the spaceship up there so I we, we talk about oh, have you tried this and she'll say did you do this with your Windows 10 I'm like oh no I had no idea that it did that oh yeah you just do this click on that and click on that well She gave me this last Sunday when she left. (laughs) You've seen these, haven't you? Yeah, but now, my birthday was Friday last week, and I turned 55 last week. So I don't know if she's giving me this because it's Windows 10 for seniors. I got my AARP card, by the way. I don't know if it's for seniors or if it's just for senior dummies. But either way... (laughs) This is, this is like gold for me right here. Because this is the cliff note to figuring out how to use my computer. Yeah, Windows for seniors, old dummies, just like me. But friends, this is not the same thing. And yet we, we want it to be, don't we? We want the cliff notes. Just tell me, tell me what I'm supposed to believe. Just, just tell me what I don't have to do or what I should do. Friends, these are wonderful words of life. Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. The words of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for these beautiful words. The words of the gospel that tell us that you came and you died for us. Your kingdom is here and now. Even in this election year, Father, help us not to fix our eyes on the world, to do what it is that we have the privilege of doing, the responsibility of doing, but Father, help us to know that your kingdom is never going to fail and that we are yours for all eternity. Those who have been given the gift of life, not because we have earned it or deserve it, can never lose the gift of life. What you have given as a gift is yours to give, not ours to lose. So, Father, help us to live it, not simply to be hearers of your word, but believe that word, and believing by the power of the Spirit, then do live this gospel into this world that's around us. Do that, please, for your own glory we ask. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen.